up in the air just like this. The scripture tells us that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. I want you to look at your hand right there. It doesn't say it's just beyond our hand. It says it's at hand. So I want you to see your hand right there. And I want you right now to just think of what is on your heart. What's been something that you're praying about? What is something that you want to see a miracle in your life or the life of someone that you love? Something that would be impossible but God. And now, as you as you have that in your heart, if you have that in your mind, those of you at home, we want you to do this too. What I want you to do is now I want you to see the kingdom of heaven and I want you to take hold of it. And I want to agree with you right now in the name of Jesus, Father, those situations of impossibility, those things that there would be that we would say there's just no way that God, you have sent us the way, the truth and the life. And that is Jesus Christ. And Father, in the name of Jesus, we take hold of your promise and we speak the promise over every situation, whatever that is that you saw right now. I just want you to say, Jesus. Jesus, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It is in your hand. It is within your life. It's not in the sweet by and by. It's not after we die that we get peace. It's not after we die that we get healing. It's not after we die that everything is there that we need. Why would we need all of that after we die? It's for here and now. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Take hold of it. Take hold of it in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. During worship, I was seeing uh, the way that God communicates with me. I loved what Becky said is God communicates in all different kinds of ways. But one of the ways that God communicates with me, I call them little movies. It's scripturally, they're called visions, but I just call them little movies. God just gives me the little movies, you know. And what I was seeing was a little movie of somebody standing in their kitchen this past week. And I can see your kitchen. And there is a piece of mail that came that delivered news to you that for you was very disappointing. There was a hope and there was an expectation of something coming through, an approval. Um, I don't want to say... There was... There was uh, almost an acceptance or an approval that was to come in the mail. And this week, information came in the mail that was not what you wanted. It was very disappointing. And God wants you to know that your future is not dependent on that little piece of mail. God wants you to know that when one door closes, another one opens. And sometimes there are doors that close because God has a better way. But if you had had that open door, the better way would not have opportunity to come before you. Does that, who is that for? Stick your hand up. If you're super brave, stick your hand up in the air. I can't see. Yes, (laughs) ma'am. God wants you to know. That it's not a no from him. From him, it's a yes and amen. Okay? So don't give up. You keep pressing. God says yes and amen to his kids. He's got a better way. So don't give up. That just wasn't it yet. Amen? All right. Thank you, Father. And before we sit down, I want to ask if you would. I have a very precious friend, and her name is Sheridan. And I'm going to bet that maybe she is watching this morning from home. And Sheridan lives that direction. And if you would, would you stretch your hand that way right now? And I just want to send prayers of healing and restoration to my friend Sheridan. And Father, I thank you that you are perfecting every part of her body. And I thank you, Lord, that through this... You are going to show her that she is a warrior and that you are doing things and moving mountains for her in her life. 
that she doesn't even know about. And Father, I pray right now that you would send your angels just to stand all around her home and her family and that you would sing encouragement and sweet, sweet love over her as you are healing and bringing perfect restoration to her body. In Jesus' name, thank you, God. Amen. Amen. All right. If you would, you can go ahead and say hi to somebody and take a seat. Thank you, God. Thank you. Perfect. (laughs) Perfect, just like you. Thank you, God. So before we get into the message today, it is my honor and my privilege. The first Sunday of every month, we like to pray over our finances And last week we had a lot going on. And so I just want to take this opportunity to, we decided we would do it this Sunday. So I want to share with you as we do that, um, I am a person who has battled fear. Uh, And I have battled fear in an area that I didn't even know you could have fear about. So one, you know, I'll get one area kind of, you know, feel like, all right, God, we're getting this lined out. And then fear about something else comes up. And I think, what the heck? I didn't even know you could have fear about that until that little thought just came into my mind. And uh, so anyway, fear in finances has been something that has uh, been a part of my life from the time that I was uh, probably in high school. I think is when it started and just a fear of not having fear of not having enough. And then what you do have it being suddenly taken away. And that has been something that I have tried to tried to overcome. And I feel like I've gotten a great amount of victory in my life on that, but I desire more. And so I want to just speak this morning for just a couple minutes, specifically to those of us who battle fear in the area of finances and of not having enough that thought of, well, what if this is suddenly gone? Or what if, what if somebody that I love needs something and I can't take care of them? That happened to me when I had our son. I remember laying, it was the first morning that I held him in my arms and laying there and thinking, true story, what if I cannot take care of him and somebody comes and takes him away from me because I, I don't have the money to take care of him? Didn't even know that you could have a fear of that, but there it was, baby less than 12 hours old, and I'm thinking somebody's going to take my baby away because I can't take care of him. So anyway, I want to speak to you, and I want to share with you that one of the ways that God has used to help me overcome that is him showing me his goodness over and over and over again as I partner with him in tithes and offerings. And one of the ways that I like to, um, I just don't know how else to say it. And so if this is your first time here, welcome to my world. And I'm just going to tell you that there are times that I just like to say, screw you devil. Okay. And so when that fear comes up on the inside of me, I'm like, I'm going to tithe in spite of you. I am going to, if I'm scared right now in my finances, I'm going to find somebody to give to. I'm going to get 20 bucks. I'm going to give it to somebody. I don't, I don't really care. Like a person in the grocery store, somebody walking down the street, I don't really care who it is. I'm going to give $20 to somebody because I'm feeling the devil putting pressure on me and my finances right now. And one of the ways, one of the biggest tools that the enemy has come at me with is the fear. And one of the biggest tools that I have found to beat him in that is to not be afraid to give because when we give, God always returns in abundance. I have never gone without. I have never gone without. And so I just wanted to share that with you. So right now, I want to pray over your finances. And Father, I thank you and I praise you that you have created us to be a people as your children that would demonstrate your goodness. And part of your goodness is your provision. And Father, I pray over every bank account represented in this room and that is listening online, and I declare a supernatural, abundant provision, a heavenly flow into every bank account. I pray for promotions. I pray for inheritances that you didn't even know you had. I 
pray for unexpected income from sources that you didn't know about. I pray, Father, for a financial increase to be poured into our bank accounts that would be exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask or think, not only for our needs to be met, but that we could help meet the needs of other people to show your goodness, your abundance, and your love. I pray over business owners right now. I pray over those business accounts. I pray, Father, for an increase in business for our business owners, for our entrepreneurs. I pray for every workplace that is represented, that because your children work in that business, that that business is blessed just because your kid is there. Father, I pray for increase of territory for us as we are blessed to be a blessing. And I want you to say that out loud with me right now. I am blessed to be a blessing. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. If you receive that, just give the person next to you an elbow. All right. All right. And before we get started too, I want to let y'all know next week, uh, we have a very, very special guest that is going to be ministering here for us. Her name is Miss Sandy Trice. And Sandy Trice is one of Darren's and mine's spiritual mentors. Uh, when we started the church a few years in, Darren called Glenn, our spiritual father, one day. And he said, I need, um, <coughs> I need some guidance. And Glenn said, son... Um, I don't know what to tell you because if I were in your position, I would run everybody off. That's why I'm not a pastor. That's what Glenn said. But he said, I do know someone that you can call. And he recommended that we call Ronnie and Sandy Trice. And uh, at the time, they were pastors of a church down in Baytown, Texas. And they are beautiful. Well, it's not in Baytown. What's the official Maranatha, but where, well, it's now it's Hillside, Mont Bellevue. Yes. In Mont Bellevue, Texas, right outside of Baytown. Anyway, um, we were at a conference and, uh, Sandy took the time to sit down with Darren and I, and what was so neat, we had not met her husband yet, but what was so neat is she saw Darren and she just immediately connected with him. And I, I later on found out that I think it's over cheeseburgers. I think you guys have a cheeseburger spirit on you that is just really strong. Um, but anyway, she sat with us in a little lounge area and we visited for probably two hours. And she just spoke things to us in that conversation that we still carry. And I remember her words to this day. And that's been Riata was just a baby. Uh, and so anyway, I say all of that to say that, uh, when pastor Ronnie passed her husband, Darren, um, was in Texas and he got to be there when pastor Ronnie, uh, went to be with the Lord and he sat with miss Sandy and pastor Ronnie for several days. And she is just she and Darren just have this really special connection. And a lot of it is because Darren is a lot like her late husband, Pastor Ronnie. Very quiet, very gentle spirit. But when they get up to preach, it's like, wow, where'd that come from? <laughs> so anyway, um, I would, I will say this about her. Darren and I have uh, come to very much love another minister. Her name is Heidi Baker. And I don't know how many of you know Heidi Baker. I would liken the love that exudes out of Miss Sandy and the power of the Holy Spirit to someone. She has a similar ministry and way about her as Heidi Baker. If you've ever, if you've ever listened to Heidi Baker, she's just, you're in the love and you just feel like you're in the room with her and you just feel love all over. She's just such a beautiful, beautiful woman. And so I so encourage you don't miss it and bring a friend with you because she is someone that just is so good at loving on people. So all right, you guys ready to get in it today? Let's do, let's do. All right, um, so we're looking at the calendar and it's an interesting thing because right about a year ago, a little over a year ago, we went into something called lockdown. That was really something, huh? Wasn't it something? 
And the thing that I recall is that in 2020, I heard the terms global pandemic. Never heard that term before. I know what it means now. Been there, done that. Got the t-shirt to prove it. I heard the words global pandemic. I heard the words deadly virus. And as approximately one year ago, we went into a global timeout. We were all sent to our own corners. We were all told to stay there and don't you come out until I tell you to. We were put into this lockdown situation and the rhythm of life changed. Big time. And for everyone, it was different. Everyone experienced that differently. Everyone processed that differently. I had never in my life been so thankful that I didn't live in a high-rise apartment. We live on a very small acreage, but praise the Lord, I could go outside. Never knew that that, honestly, I've taken that for granted my whole life, that I could go outside. Um... At our house, we did things to make the best of it. Never before had I heard of Zoom. I didn't know what Zoom was. I'd been to the zoo, but I didn't know what Zoom was. We went to online learning. These things that had always existed or had been around a long time, but they were kind of in the background. We really didn't know about it. We did online learning. Riata, our daughter, was a junior. And so she went to online learning for school. Uh, parents became teachers. Bread winners became bread makers. That was a big thing. And uh, we suddenly all were hunting for toilet paper, <laughs> never knew that was a thing. And we all were asking the very spiritual big question, who is the Tiger King? <laughs> Y'all are like, oh, I don't participate in things like that. It changed. But like I say, at our house, we didn't know our son was down in Texas and I felt like he's probably safer there because he's out on a ranch in the middle of nowhere. They have guns, so I feel good about him being there. I was okay with that. Riata was at home. I do remember though, it happened right after she was on spring, her spring break ended and uh, she was down in Texas with her brother and everything was like shutting down and she called and she was really freaked out because she didn't know if she's going to be able to get home. And I said, honey, they haven't shut the highways down. We can still drive. We will get you home. And she's like, mom, I want to come home. We'll get you home. She flew home and it was fine. Everything was okay. But at our house, we took that opportunity to slow down. Everything slowed down. We um, learned new recipes Pinterest was Pinterest recipes. We actually, rather than just pinning the things, we actually did them. Um, we did that. Uh, Riata and Darren got longboards. For those of you, it's a, like a skateboard on steroids. And we learned to longboard. Uh, we, Riata reminded me that we started Friday Night Lights and we watched the entire season of Friday or like entire whole thing of Friday Night Lights. You know, full, uh, clear eyes, full hearts can't lose. You guys remember that? All right, okay. So we watched all of that. Um, I did home projects. We painted our bedroom. I mean, we just found all kinds of things to fill our time with. And we played games. But we wondered what were things going to look like in the future. And we kept being told over and over and over again through that little square box in our living room called a television or the little square device in our hand that we are in unprecedented times. These are unprecedented times. You know what? We've been in unprecedented times since Genesis chapter 1. Everybody was saying, we've never been through this before. Y'all, what is today's date? April 11th? You know what? You've never been through April 11th, 2021 before. Can I just tell you that? 
unprecedented times. You want to talk about unprecedented times. Talk to Adam and Eve when they got booted out of the garden. Yo, there's an unprecedented time. The uh, parting of the Red Sea. There's an unprecedented time. What about the flood of Noah? There's an unprecedented time. What about World War One? What about World War Two? What about Pearl Harbor? What about Scarlet Fever? What about 9-11? Unprecedented times. Y'all, look around. Just take a moment. Look around. Everyone sitting around you has been surviving unprecedented times for their entire life. The only difference is we've been being told over and over and over and over again all year long, this is bad. This is really bad. You know what? Sodom and Gomorrah, that was bad. But they just didn't have a news person telling them it was bad 24-7. We have that being put in our ears all the time. This is bad. Unprecedented times. No one can get toilet paper. This is the messages that's being put in us. Unprecedented times. I just want you just to take a moment just right now and think about, see, I just named off things that, you know, come up in, in my, in my thinking and things I learned about in school. But I want you to think about the unprecedented times that you have lived through. Just take a moment. Just think about that. How many unprecedented times have happened in your life? Let me tell you what, giving birth to a baby, that's unprecedented times. I don't care how many books you read, there ain't nothing going to prepare you for that. Woo! Yes, okay, amen. All right, so unprecedented times. But you know what? Everybody do this. We're still here. We're still here. Don't pinch the person next to you. We're still here. We made it. We made it. Did not overcome us. So in John, if you have your Bibles, if you would go here with me in John chapter 16, because I want you to see this. If you have a phone and you have the U version on your phone, I want you to highlight it when we read this. John chapter 16 and verse 33 says this. These things, this is Jesus speaking. And when Jesus talks, I sure do think that's important. So he says, these things I have spoken to you that in me, in Jesus, you may have peace. In the world, you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. We're told right here in John chapter 14 or John chapter 16, we're going to have tribulation. Should not come as a surprise. In the world, you will have tribulation. That world tribulation means oppression, trouble, and burden. This is nothing new. We're told that it's going to happen. In the world, you're going to have oppression. In the world, you're going to have trouble. In the world, there's going to be things that happen that feel really heavy. But he also says, in him, you will have peace. So he tells us, in the world, you're going to have trouble, but in me, you will have peace. It's like the, the, I love the tensions of the Bible, of the scripture. Like when he says, if you want to really live, you're going to have to die. What? In the world, you're going to have trouble, but in me, you'll have peace. What? How does that go together? How does that line out? Jesus tells us in the world, you will have trouble. But then if you back up just a couple of chapters into John chapter 14, he tells us in John chapter 14 in verse one, he says, let not your heart be troubled. He says this in John chapter 14, let not your heart be troubled. But then in John chapter 16, Jesus says, uh, in the world, you're going to have trouble. <laughs> what? Trouble. Trouble is defined in the Greek as to be stirred up, to cause great distress, cause a riot, and to throw into confusion. It was like in John chapter 14, Jesus was saying, hey, y'all, 2020 is coming. <laughs> but don't let your heart be troubled. What? 
seriously stirred up in 2020. Y'all, I didn't know that we could fight about face masks. If you would have told me two years ago that there would be people who were literally dropping F-bombs at one another over face masks, I would have said, you need to go see somebody. (laughs) Is it happening? Uh, yeah. If you would have told me that people would be so stirred up, so upset... Over the things that we're facing, I would have said, you're out of your mind. And I'm watching it happen. Jesus said that there are going to be times of being stirred up, great distress. There's going to be riots and you're going to be thrown into confusion. (laughs) Sign me up. (laughs) Right? Right now is a great time for the altar call. (laughs) Oh, man. Then he goes on in John chapter 14 in verse 27. And let me just say this. As I was preparing this and reading John chapter 14 again, man, it's so good. If you think where's a good place to read, John chapter 14 is just beautiful. I absolutely love it. But you know what? I'd be a really crummy pastor if I stood up here and said, you know what? John chapter 14, y'all just skip right over that. It's a terrible part of the Bible. Okay. Anyway, John chapter 14 and verse 27, he says this again, Jesus is speaking and he says, peace. I leave with you. My peace. I give to you. Not as the world gives. Do I give to you? Let not your heart be troubled. Neither let it be afraid. Jesus says, Peace I give to you, but not as the world gives. So how does the world give peace? If the peace that Jesus gives is different than the way that the world gives peace, how does the world give peace? I can best summarize this for you in a story. And I'm going to let you in on a personal uh, trauma time in my life. And I'm going to share this with you. Several years ago, Darren and I were gifted with a beautiful trip to Hawaii. It had been a dream of mine from the time I was a little girl to see a palm tree in real life. Um, I always lived, I lived in uh, areas, we never had palm trees anywhere I lived, and I wanted to see a real palm tree. And so Darren and I were gifted this beautiful gift of a trip to Hawaii, and the place that we stayed was right on the ocean, and I kept the door open all the time because of our, we, there was a, like a patio door on our hotel room. I kept the door open the whole time we were there because I wanted to hear the ocean. It was, I mean, the first, when we would go to bed at night, I went to bed hearing the waves. When I woke up in the morning, I could hear the waves. That sound, I never got tired of it. And I was so intentional about hearing it every moment because I never heard that before. It was beautiful. The birds, I could hear the birds. And then just getting to go out every morning, we would go walk down and get coffee and we would just go sit outside and watch the ocean. Just watching that constant movement of the waves and watching it come up on the sand and the foam. And every time it comes up, it's different. So there was so much that I was enjoying about that ocean. And it was just so, it was good for my soul to watch that to hear it, to get to go walking. We walked, I don't know how many miles, walking up and down the beach with our feet in the water and having the waves wash up on your ankles. One day, Darren said, let's go body surfing. I've never been body surfing before. So Darren took me out and taught me to body surf. And we were having so much fun. The joy of that, the laughter of that, the exhilaration. And he taught me how to, when to watch the wave and how to jump and to catch that wave just as it breaks. And we, I don't know how long we spent out in the ocean body surfing and having so much fun. And I decided at some point that I was getting tired. And so I was going to go back in and he was going to stay out and play a little bit longer. And I was headed in and I turned around. And there was the largest wave I have ever seen in my life getting ready to come on me. And I was thinking, do I ride it or do I go under it? And I hesitated that much too long 
to where I tried to go under it as it was coming over the top. And that wave took me and drilled me into the sand so hard that I had sand in places that I didn't know that a human being could have sand that deeply embedded into them. It's not healthy. (laughs) I came up out of the water, grabbing a hold of what was left of my swimsuit thinking I am dying, (gasps) (gasps) trying to breathe. And then here comes another one and slammed me again. Darren, being the wonderful husband that he is, (laughs) hold your breath, hold your breath. I made it back up onto the shore And for three years, every time I would pack that swimsuit to go somewhere, sand would come out of that swimsuit in my suitcase. Embedded people, I'm talking. That ocean that was so peaceful and brought me so much relaxation in a moment, tried to kill me. I thought, Jesus is coming. I see white light. I was dying. That is peace as the world gives. What in one moment is very peaceful and you're drinking coffee and discussing very kind, nice things and watching flowers and birds. And the next moment is filling your lungs with salt and you cannot breathe. And sand, lots of sand. That is peace as the world gives. It changes moment by moment, situation by situation, and it varies tremendously based on each moment. The world gives peace that is situational. The world gives peace that is dependent on who you are and where you're at. The world gives peace dependent upon what's in your bank account at what time. The world gives peace based upon what's your education and how many initials do you have after your name. The world gives peace based upon who you know and where you live. But Jesus said, not as the world gives, do I give you peace. He says, I come to give you peace, but not as the world gives. The world's peace is very fleeting. And in times of chaos and confusion, in times of deep disappointment, when we think that we know what things are going to look like and we have an idea of what this season will be, we're dealing with that in our house. Our daughter is a senior. And a senior, how many people do I have in here under 20 right now? There you are. Those of you who are living through this and feeling like this is not what I thought this would look like right now. That is situational peace as the world gives. Because when deep disappointment comes, when you have a thought of what the future will look like, or you have an idea of what things are going to happen and when they're going to happen and how they're going to happen, and things just don't turn out that way, you're seeing a future with no promise in it. There's no peace in that. You're thinking about the things that happened in the past and how there was disappointment, how there was failure, how this didn't happen and that didn't happen. You're seeing a past with no purpose. And when you see a past with no purpose and a future with no promise, there is no peace. It's very situational. But see, 
when we are in those times when we can't find that peace because not as the world gives. When we're in those times of confusion, of disappointment, of chaos, of being stirred up. What happens as humans is we start to build walls. And we begin to build those walls to try and make our world smaller and smaller and smaller. Because if we can make our world smaller, if it's small enough, then maybe we can control what's happening within those walls that we build. So we build those walls and literally people will build walls literally to where they won't come out of their house. And if the house walls are too big, they won't come out of their room. And if the room walls are too big, they won't come out of their closet. We build walls and we push people out trying to gain control of anything that we can control. That's where addictions, that's where unhealthy habits, those things come when we're trying to build walls to have some kind of control. But what happens when we build those walls to try and gain some kind of atmosphere of control is those walls actually isolate us and they cause everyone else to be at a distance because we build walls. And when everyone else is put at a distance like in a lockdown We're left alone and we're left isolated and we are not people who were created by God. He said, even though Adam was in his presence and walked with him daily, God said, it is not good that man should be alone. Even when he was in such communication and relationship with God, I don't care how close you are with God. You cannot grow without being in relationship with other people. It is not good that man should be alone. When we're alone, our focus turns inward. We become very small-minded and very self-absorbed. And our thoughts turn to everything that's wrong, everything that's not happening, everything that's not good. And again, the lack of peace, the stirred up, the chaos, the disruption and the burden and the heaviness becomes so big that we feel overwhelmed. But see, peace doesn't happen when you have control. Peace happens when you realize that you don't need to be in control. That's where Peace comes, not as the world gives, but as God gives. The word peace is defined in the scripture when Jesus says, peace I give to you. That word peace means security, safety, prosperity, wholeness, and completeness. He says, in the world, you will have trouble. In the world. That's everything externally. The world, it's everything out here. But he says, don't let your heart be troubled. Where's your heart? In here. He says, everything in the world, everything out there is going to be chaos. There's going to be disappointment. There's going to be confusion. There's going to be trouble. It's going to feel overwhelming. You can't control that. But let not your heart be troubled. That's in here. That you have total control of where you put that. Out there, that's not under your control. That's not your burden. That's not your responsibility. This in here, your heart, that is your responsibility. And he tells us, be responsible for your heart and don't let it be troubled. In the world, you will have trouble. Don't let your heart be troubled. We will never find peace until we know peace in us. We have to know peace on the inside of us in order for us to live a life of peace. The world is going to press on you. When, the, when, the, when it's defined, trouble defined as burden, that's a pressure. It's a weight. 
and it's going to sit on you. And how many of you, don't raise your hand, but how many of you have experienced that feeling of something like you can't breathe because there's something sitting on your chest and you literally feel like I am suffocating right here sitting in a chair or laying in bed because I feel like there is something heavy sitting on my chest. That is the overwhelming weight of the world, literally. But he says, don't let your heart be troubled. He knew the weight of the world was going to try to sit on your chest and it's going to try and press. It's going to try and push you. It's going to try and speak to you. It's going to try and whisper to you until it presses and presses and presses into your heart. But Jesus is saying, don't let your heart be troubled. Let your heart press out. Let what I put in your heart press outward. Don't let your heart be troubled. I remember as a kid, my mom used to tell me, it's what's on the inside that counts. You know what? My mama knew what she was talking about. Anytime I would come home and be crying because somebody didn't want to be my friend anymore or somebody uh, told me something that hurt my feelings, my mom would tell me it's what's on the inside that counts. Anytime I was taken with somebody or wanted to be friends with someone that my mom could see was not going to lead me in a good direction, she would say, look what's on the inside because it's what's on the inside that counts. Mama was right. It's what is on the inside of us that will determine whether our heart is troubled during times that we cannot control. But we don't need to control the times if we know what's in our heart. You will not be able to control. Let me just tell you something. You are not going to be able to control people. You're not going to be able to control the economy. You're not going to be able to control who's elected. You're not going to be able to control what other people do. You are in full control of the condition of your heart. That is one thing in life that you are in total control of. And when you put the weight and the burden, even even when we want to control if a drug addict gets clean, if we want to control if a porn addict gets clean, if we want to control if someone who is eating in a way that is unhealthy for them, we cannot control. Even, Even when we're wanting to control things for a good, a good cause, what happens is you begin to carry the weight of their life and their salvation on your chest and only Jesus was made to carry that. We can't carry that weight. And if we try, our heart becomes troubled. And he says to us, don't let your heart be troubled. It's what's on the inside that counts. I think a really good example of this is found in Mark chapter 4. And I'm going to read this out of the message translation because I really like a particular uh, way that this is stated in here. So Mark chapter 4, Jesus gets in a boat with his disciples and he makes a statement to them. Starting in verse 35, he says this. He says, late that day, he said to them, let's go across to the other side. And they took him in the boat as he was. Other boats came along. A huge storm came up and waves poured into the boat, threatening to sink it. And Jesus was in the stern, head on a pillow, sleeping, exclamation mark. They roused him saying, teacher, is it nothing to you that we're going down? Awake now, he told the wind to pipe down and said to the sea, quiet, settle down. The wind ran out of breath and the sea became smooth as glass. And Jesus reprimanded the disciples. Why are you such cowards? Don't you have any faith at all? Jesus didn't mince words, did he? Pretty plain spoken. I heard this said a long time ago, years ago. The storms that you can sleep through are the ones that you have authority over. The storms that you can sleep through. Jesus was asleep in the boat and the disciples were freaking out. They were losing their minds. They had no authority over that storm. Jesus, with the waves and everything crashing in, Jesus had his head on a pillow and he's sleeping. The storms that you can sleep through 
when COVID hits, when unprecedented times hit, when sickness hits, when disappointing news hits, the storms that you can sleep through, you have authority over. The storm is out here, but when you allow the storm out here to come in here, you give up your authority. As long as you keep this in peace, in a position of peace, you have authority in the storm. What it says down here toward the end of that is when Jesus spoke to the storm, it says the wind ran out of breath. When I was a kid, I remember being uh, little and visiting family or uh, being in Texas and they would put a little um, outline of a tornado on the television set. It was a little white outline. Then that meant that there was a tornado watch. And I remember when there was a tornado warning That means that there was a tornado spotted somewhere. That little white outline in the corner of the television would be filled in white. And then if it turned black, that meant you better run. (laughs) That meant go get in the cellar. But I remember as a kid sitting in the living room and hearing the wind blowing and being terrified. And my grandmother would tell me, it's just wind, baby. It's not the storm. It's just wind. And my Mimi would sit with me because I was scared. But see, here's the thing. Things are going to happen in life that you can't control. When disappointment happens, when someone fails you, when the world fails you, when your own health feels like it's failing you, when you feel like you've failed you, it's just wind, baby. It's just wind. Don't let the wind fool you into thinking that it's a storm because the wind will run out of breath. This too will pass. This will pass if you choose to not let the storm begin to take your breath. The only way the storm continues is if you give it breath. When you start repeating it, when you start feeding into it, when you start rehearsing it, when it becomes all you talk about, you're giving the storm breath. But when you don't let your heart be troubled, the storm will run out of breath and you will thrive in unprecedented times. That's where we're at. That's where we're at. How do we have peace In these times, I think one of the simplest things I want to give this to you is just two very easy points, but it's found in Philippians chapter four, starting in verse four, says this, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Two easy things that I want to give to you. Number one, what does he say to us here? He tells us to rejoice and to be thankful. Rejoice and be thankful. What does that do? That's so simple. Like you're taking something so big. Because the world wants to make it really big and it's just this simple. Rejoice and be thankful. I'm putting those as one. Because what that does is it takes your focus off of what you think God isn't doing and it puts it on what God is doing. When you rejoice, you're thinking about everything that God did. When you're thankful, you're recounting everything that God has done. Rejoice and be thankful. That's pretty easy, right? So when you're sitting around and you're sitting in a red light, you know what you know what really, really makes the devil mad is when you start using red lights as an opportunity to give thanks, you're going to find that you just get green lights all the time. <laughs> when you just start taking, when you're, when you think of something that you do every day that you can take that as an opportunity to rejoice and give thanks every day, 
while you're showering, every day while you're driving to work, every day while you're doing something, when you're taking out the trash, when you're feeding, make it an opportunity to rejoice and be thankful intentionally. Just talk out loud to God, which leads to the second one. The second thing that he tells us to do is to pray with constant prayer and supplication. I looked those two up because I was like, what's the difference in prayer and supplication? From what I could gather, excuse me, and looking the two of those up is prayer involved a location, which was a synagogue or a church. Supplication was more of a private matter. So he's saying, pray, get together with other people and talk about God, talk to God with other people, and then get into supplication, get into conversation with him quietly in your own time. What that is doing is he's saying, I want you to be in constant communication with God. No matter where you're at, no matter what you're doing, I want you to constantly be talking to God. One of the great uh, ministers that lived back in the early 1900s, his name was Smith Wigglesworth. He was asked one time, he had numerous people raised from the dead in his ministry. Powerful things happened. But one of the people asked him one time, Smith, how long do you spend in prayer? And he said, I never pray for more than two minutes at a time, but I never go for more than two minutes without praying. I thought that was pretty good. What that meant is he just developed a lifestyle of conversation with God. He was just talking to God about everything all the time. It doesn't mean that you have to be someone who can devote your entire life to getting up at three o'clock in the morning and praying without ceasing nonstop in your closet quietly before the sun comes up for four hours. That is when I will have peace. That's not going to happen. Not in my house anyway. But you know what? You can have a constant conversation with God. Just talking to him about everything. Rather than talking about the problem, rather than talking about the frustration, talk to God. Have a conversation with God. I feel like talking about peace and walking in peace, I don't feel like we can have this conversation without mentioning the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit is mentioned both in John chapter 14 and in John chapter 16 when Jesus is speaking to us about let not your heart be troubled, but take the peace that I give to you. Because Jesus said, he told his disciples, I'm not going to be able to stay with you. And here we just came through celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And Jesus said to his disciples, his followers, he said, I can't stay here with you. But I'm going to go away. And when I do, I'm going to send to you the helper, the guide, the one who will lead you into all truth. Because Jesus could only be one place at one time. But he knew that if he went and died on the cross and then was resurrected from the dead, that the same spirit that resurrected him from the dead would then be released to live on the inside of every person that would choose to say, I am a disciple, a follower of Jesus Christ. And that spirit of truth, that guide, that spirit that would lead us into peace, that will lead us and let us know when the conversation in our head is a lie, that will let us know when the world is pressing on our heart, that the spirit of truth on the inside of us will then begin to press back. And it's not just us trying to press, trying to have peace, trying to hold on, trying to guard our heart, but it's actually the Holy spirit which the bible says is the same spirit that resurrected jesus from the dead would now live on the inside of you and if that spirit would be so powerful to raise a man from the dead in the tomb for three days if that spirit could raise jesus from the dead what could it do on the inside of you It's the Holy Spirit on the inside of every person that asks Jesus Christ to be the Lord of their life. It's that free gift. He says, I'm going to go away so that I can give you the promise. The promise of a future, the promise of a hope, not as the world gives because the world is situational and the world's going to let you down. But the spirit that Jesus sent, the Holy Spirit speaks to us of the father's heart in a continual conversation without stopping. So I want to ask this question. 
have you said, I want the peace that Jesus gives. I want to follow Jesus. Number one, that's the first most important question is, have you simply said, I want to follow Jesus. I want to make him the Lord of my life and inviting him into your life. And I love the way that Darren said it last week is that Jesus is already that it's not so much about us inviting him into our heart. It's about him inviting us into his. And it's about us accepting that invitation that Jesus opened up to everyone, no matter where you come from, no matter where you've been, no matter who your family is or how many initials you don't have after your name, Jesus says, I'm opening my heart to you. Just come in. If you've never for yourself consciously, knowingly said, I want to walk with Jesus right now is your moment. And it doesn't have to be some big Elizabethan prayer and that you have to pray super eloquent. All it is, is just from your heart, your decision to say, Jesus, I want you to be in my life and I want to be in your life. Come into my life. Wash me clean. Make me whole. Bring the peace. Bring the wholeness. Bring the completeness into my life. And I want all that you have. And you just say it in your words. You can't do it wrong. He's just that good. Then the minute that that happens, Jesus releases his breath on your life and you receive the Holy Spirit on the inside of you, that spirit of truth, that guide, that comforter, that no matter what the situation is, you might not have your Bible laying on your dash or you might not have your phone in hand, but the Holy Spirit on the inside of you knows what you're going through. He knows what you need and he's there to speak it to you. He's there to lead you through it and he's there to guide you through it. It's the Holy Spirit. It's also the spirit that fills you with the power of heaven that enables you to be a conduit of heaven that as on earth, as it is in heaven flows through you because you have the spirit of heaven on the inside of you. It's that spirit that changes the atmosphere in the room that no longer are you a thermometer, but you're a thermostat. You're the one that when you walk in the room, you dictate how the room feels. You don't walk into a room and feel stress, feel worry, feel overwhelmed. You walk into a room and you bring the peace of heaven into that room because you got the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. You see someone that needs prayer. You don't worry. I don't know how to pray. I don't know all the scriptures. I don't know what to do. You say, I got the Holy Spirit on the inside of me. He knows what to do. I don't know what to do. Holy Spirit does. Holy Spirit does. Peace in every situation. So I want to invite everyone right now, if you would, just everybody close your eyes. And I want you to settle into where you're at right now in this moment. You're in a safe place. And first of all, those of you that today, for the very first time, made a conscious personal decision that today... I am walking into the heart of Jesus and I'm filling my heart with everything that he has to offer. If that's you, I want to give you the opportunity to make a public declaration of your faith. And I want to invite you just to stick your hand up in the air right now. Yes, 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 yes. Thank you, Father. Yes. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Okay, you can put your hands down or you can keep them up if you're like, hey, I'm proud. I'm loud and I'm proud. I'm keeping it up. I'm not putting it down. Now I want to ask this. If you have never recognized or been told that you have the power of the Holy Spirit on the inside of you and today you want that power released from within to say, I know that I have the Holy Spirit in me because I am a born again child of God, but now I want the Holy Spirit to have me. I've got the Holy Spirit, but now I want the Holy Spirit to have me. I need that truth. I need that comfort. I need that guidance. I want that power. If that's you, I want you to right now, I'm inviting you just to put your hand on your belly. Just rest your hand on your belly. That's like the inner man. And right now, in the name of Jesus Christ, and maybe you're in here and you just need a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit this morning. You just need to be reminded of the power and the presence that's on the inside of you. With your hand on your belly right now, I want you just to take a deep breath. Holy Spirit, come. 
Holy Spirit, if you are receiving the infilling of the Holy Spirit for the very first time, I invite you right now just to say this out loud with your whisper voice, but I want you to be able to hear yourself say it. Say, Holy Spirit, have all of me. Holy Spirit, fill me up to overflowing. Holy Spirit, guide me, lead me. I hear your truth. I partner with you, Holy Spirit. Use me to spread heaven everywhere I go. Fill me with the reality and the promise of heaven so much, Holy Spirit, that it can't help but overflow everywhere that I go. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. Father, for those that need that this morning, I pray that you would begin to give a physical, tangible feeling of a stirring in their inner man right now. Stir on the inside of them. The Bible tells us you stir up the gift that is on the inside of you. Holy Spirit, stir up on the inside of your children right now. Speak your love to them. Speak your acceptance to them. Speak that you don't care where they've been, that you're just so glad that they've come home. Your love. This is one place you will never be rejected. This is one place you will never, ever be told you're not wanted here. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, pour out your love right now in such a way that it's just a beautiful, beautiful presence. Like golden light on the inside of a person. That they would be so filled that fear is silenced. Anxiety is silenced. Depression is silenced. The feeling of overwhelmingness right now, that weight on your chest is being pushed out by light. If you need that weight gone, I want you to take a deep breath and blow out. The storm ran out of breath. That storm just ran out of breath in your life. Light, just push, push outward. I want you to see Light, use the imagination that God gave you. Gosh, we serve such a beautiful, creative God. I want you to see light literally coming out of you right now, like like a Star Wars force field or something. Just all around you, light that is impenetrable. No arrow can get through it. No fiery dart of the wicked one can get through that. Oh, it's so good. Holy Spirit, stir. An evidence of the infilling of the Holy Spirit is that you would be given such a beautiful gift. And the Bible talks about it. It's that you would be able to pray in tongues. It's a beautiful personal language that is given to you between you and God. And the wonderful thing about it is the devil doesn't understand it. And when you don't know how to pray, the Holy Spirit prays through you. And I want to ask for those of you who do pray in tongues, if you would just begin to speak in your prayer language quietly and peacefully and gently right where you're sitting so that the room is filled with a heavenly language. And for those of you that have just received the infilling of the Holy Spirit, if you begin to hear a language on the inside of you, if you desire that, then you have it right now. It's there and it's just letting it be released. If you desire that, I want you to put your hand on your tummy and then I want you to put one hand on your chest and in the name of Jesus, Father, fill their chest with your heavenly fire. Just give them that beautiful warmth of your oil in their chest and fill their chest right now with your spirit. And it's rising up from your chest right now and it's coming up into your throat. And now open your mouth and just let it come out. And that is your personal prayer language. You're like, well, that's just me. I'm just making those words up. And I want to ask you, how much do you just sit around your house just making words up and talking like that? Not often because that's the Holy Spirit. So if you have that in you, I want you to hear yourself speaking it out. And it might just be one syllable. 
Paul talks about groanings, that we groan with the Holy Spirit. So maybe for you, it's just more of a deep groan. I hear that often. But it's important that you hear yourself speak in unison with heaven. So just begin to whisper that out right now if you're having that coming up. It's an evidence. It's not the evidence, but it is given to everyone and it's not withheld from anyone, but it's an evidence. Some churches or some people will say that it is the evidence, but scripture says it's an evidence. The evidence is that you would be witnesses of him. That means that you demonstrate his peace. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Peace. Peace that he gives to you, not as the world gives, but as he gives. We are going to have, I want you to stay right in peace. You can open your eyes. If you haven't fallen asleep, I didn't realize I had your eyes closed that long. Somebody might be sleeping next to you and maybe they just needed a nap. So just let them sleep. (laughs) I'm going to ask if you are here and you are a part of our prayer team, whether you're scheduled today or not, I love our beautiful prayer team, but I'm going to ask if every member of our prayer team would come up here as Becky comes to dismiss us. And if you prayed to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit this morning for the first time, and you would just like somebody to talk to you about that, or you would like more help, or maybe you felt maybe you felt your prayer language right here, and you just want somebody to help boop, take the cork out and just let it come on out, I want you to come up and talk to our prayer team. They're such beautiful people, and they just love it. They are good at loving on people. So they're going to be up here, and I'm going to invite them to come up. Becky, if you would, come on up. We've got some really exciting things happening after service. So just stay in your peaceful place. If God's speaking to you right now, just continue to let him speak to you and love on you. And I'm going to let beautiful Becky come up here and talk to you. Amen.